Benefit, co-sponsored by Code Pink on Tuesday, November 15th at the Hillside Club, 2286 Cedar Street in Berkeley. This event is wheelchair accessible and tickets are available at brownpapertickets.com and supportive indie bookshops. Full information is available on the KPFA website, kpfa.org. Come join me and the KPFA community for an evening with fearless activist Medea Benjamin on November 15th. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 2 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. Those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is October the 18th, 2016. Hell's bells ringing out, sing out. Oh, 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 so loud it is happening here, but it's not too late. Of course it's not too late. We can change our fate. You know, how's any school kid will tell you hate is a waste of time, a dead end, and hope springs eternal. God bless Joe Biden. He was debating with Mike Pence, the other VP, well, the VP uh, candidate, and uh, Joe Biden said he wanted to end FGM in Africa. That's female genital mutilation, the top of the list of crimes against women. Of course, that crime is not limited to Africa. Last time I heard, it was about 150 million women. Uh, torture for social control. Uh, uh what, what, what? What can be done? The women, the women, uh, I think, well, last time, last time Michelle Obama was approached about FGM, she was very sweet and she said that she was concentrating on, uh, obesity in children and I just, uh, I just assume everybody does what they can where they can. Michelle Obama came to the rescue this week. She played that mother card. She scolded the Donald for being a crass ass. (laughs) As a white female, I always feel that 
people will think I'm playing the victim if I complain about things, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, it's another one of the tricks men use. Uh, I always say to myself, oh, so what, you know, got run over like all the other women happens all the time. Nothing special about me, about my personal pain and humiliation. Uh, mustn't whine, man up. Many, many years ago, I remember, uh, I asked my son's father for more child support. I even kept the letter in which he said I was whining. I guess uh, he's been dead for more than a decade. I think it's time to, time to put that aside, burn it. Uh, Michelle Obama does not whine. She says how she feels. She does not apologize. Uh, I guess I loved her. I loved her pantsuit. That's a writer note. Tell her how, how terrific her pantsuit is. She's apparently helping a lot of new designers. Uh, Got to cover all the angles, folks. Hmm. She said how painful it is to know that a presidential candidate could stoop so low. I love their motto. When they go low, we go high. Eleanor Roosevelt was the very best at that skill. Read her speeches to the UN. She was the U.S. ambassador uh, back in the day. She did the Declaration of Human Rights. You know, she and Adlai Stevenson... Uh, was her contribution to civilization, you know? <laughs> Noblesse oblige. Now, Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt, had stamina. Yes, stamina is defined in my dictionary as the capacity to endure. You got that? Capacity to endure. Certainly, endurance is a female trait. They, that is women, can hang on longer. Uh, at least that's what the scientists tell us. Uh, even when hunger and thirst threaten, you know, it's just um, their physiology. Nine months it takes to create another human being. They've got to have endurance. Now, when Trump said he did not think that Hillary Clinton had stamina, that was code for saying she was not a guy. She did not have male strength. She was not a strong man, you know, the old cliche. Um, they tell us that both genders desire a leader, you know, with all those qualities. The strong man, Russia's Vladimir Putin, Napoleon, um, Alexander, the Macedonian madman, you know. <laughs> Trump, Trump, at first, he said, he looked at Hillary Clinton and he said, he didn't like her look. Uh, Hillary's looks meant to him that she didn't look like the generic white male silver-haired old dude that we're accustomed to seeing in the Oval Office, you know, a silver-backed primate, leader of the pack. 
Then he seemed to realize that it might be a mistake to refer to a woman's looks. Oops, he probably thought he'd lose points. Uh, you remember, I think he kind of woke up when, well, at one point, you remember, he said certain women, those who were accusing him of being a uh, dirty old man, you know, uh, he said that they weren't good looking enough to attract him. And of course, he put his foot in it there, you know, his, his contempt for women in general seems to color Everything, at least everything he says to Hillary, condescending. Uh, remember, he said, I just want to make her happy. He sneers, you know. Uh, a terrific sneer, that guy. She tried to talk about the movie Lincoln. And uh, Trump rudely interrupted. He said she had no right to compare herself to uh, President Abraham Lincoln. Uh, actually, uh, Hillary Clinton was trying to use an illustration from the film. Remember the wonderful film with Daniel Day Lewis? That movie was so good, few people noticed it. It'll be around forever, so uh, if you haven't seen it, it'll be on uh, cable TV for years and years. Anyway, the movie portrayed all the ways that the executive, that is the executive branch of the federal government, the president and his staff and his political party, uh, how the federal government must put a lot of pressure on Congress in order to get something done, to get an amendment passed in Lincoln's case. She was trying to give him a basic course in civics. You know, she wanted to explain how the branches of government have a tug of war over the big issues. Uh, she's trying to tell him that, you know, the presidency is not a dictatorship. Uh, in Lincoln's case, it was his need for an amendment to end slavery. Uh, he needed something solid. He had already issued an executive order. You remember, he uh, put out the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, that gave all the slaves freedom, but it was perfectly possible to restore slavery in all or some of the states when a new administration took office. Got that? Mm hmm. I think always of the Equal Rights Amendment for Women, which we have not passed yet. Uh, a new administration could cut cut the well. They could pull the rug out from under us. They could cut through all the nonsense. And oh dear. Uh, anyway, uh, President Lincoln had to do some serious political arm twisting to get that amendment through. Uh, I remember. Actually, the struggles of Lyndon B. Johnson when he was passing the Civil Rights Bill, similar uh what he did with the, the Southern Senators, although that legislation has been eroded by uh, later administrations. Have you noticed? Jim Crow has found 
new ways to limit African American freedoms. The trick is to throw the decisions back to the states, you know, to the state legislatures. That's what they've done with the uh, abortion issue. The women's reproductive rights are definitely eroding. Oh, what a neat trick. Never mind. Hillary's futile effort to engage the Donald in an actual conversation or even a rational debate about government or about public service of any kind was obviously useless. His M.O., Trump's M.O., is uh, simply to begin a new attack. Yes, the whole thing is rigged. Ah, that's so strange, I guess. I think I know enough about propaganda to understand that if you just keep saying, just keep saying something over and over again, some people somewhere will believe it, especially if they're already uh, firmly convinced that he's their choice. Uh, It seems so strange to me. Uh, Here we have the first woman to lead the ticket of a major political party, and that is a first. I can't take that away from her. But she's faced with a male chauvinist piglet whose every sentence contains an absurdo stupidism so coarse and bullying it would it would just seem to be a parody of all these gender conflicts that uh we usually just set before a group of students, you know. We say, these are examples of the worst sociopathic nonsense imaginable. His discourse, uh, his talk, is so coarse, ugly, vulgar, greedy, cynical, ignorant, and now, lately, paranoid, it's hard to realize this braggart may be serious. Is it too pessimistic to feel that uh, this braggart is not just a con man putting us on? Uh, This is not something he's doing for his own amusement. Now, could it be that he is? That he is vindictive, sinister, cruel, treacherous, tyrannical? Well, gee whiz, surely, surely this is all just a farce. You know, he's just trying to see if he can pull it off. (laughs) You know, uh, the uh, ultimate trickster, that's it. As always in politics, we must look to see who is following this man. Uh, Why, why would people be attracted to this? (sighs) I'd like to call it nonsense, but... uh, I listened, yes. I did listen to Joe Biden last Sunday in hopes he could explain any of the motives of those whose dissatisfactions and anger are boiling over. I thought maybe (coughs) as a man of the people, he would understand what's happening. I mean, I, I understand that there are those who don't Give a flying, you know what, about the ethics involved. Those who couldn't care less about the rule of law 
or the threat of fascism or the lives of immigrants and poor people. <clears throat> Scapegoats are always the uh, the nice target, you know. Figure out who to blame. Demagogues are so clever. I've read my Machiavelli. I know how to do it. You divide and conquer. You tell folks who is to blame. I remember back in the day, first it was hippies, you know. Biden did mention, yes, he did mention that ugly video, Trump's hideous behavior with women. And uh, he spoke about his four granddaughters. Uh, I I kind of winced because I, I think, well, I don't want to say he doth protest too much, but I can't help remembering his role as the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee when Clarence Thomas was confirmed for a role on the Supreme Court. The testimony of Anita Hill should have stopped that confirmation back in, what was it, 1991, 1992? I really cannot, cannot remember what year that was. Uh, yes, I, he took office in 92. Anyway, if ever there was a woman's issue, uh, that was it. And uh, <clears throat> the senators just rushed it through in a week. You know, the Judiciary Committee, they, they were embarrassed. They had just lost uh, the confirmation of Judge Bork. And they, as people kept saying that we had to Bork Clarence Thomas... And so the senators were trying to, you know, save face. And uh, uh, this Sunday during the debate, Joseph Biden stated that he did not, did not vote for the confirmation of Clarence Thomas. Of course, now, he, he, he was chairman of the committee, so he might have been able to do something. Barbara Boxer is retiring, and uh, she says that when she was in the Senate that the confirmation was her deepest, deepest regret. All her years in the Senate, that was the worst thing. She says she was assured that it was okay that Thomas would not be confirmed. It was obvious. Everybody had heard Anita Hill. They all knew she was telling the truth. Uh, then she said she looked away over the weekend just for a minute. She you know, she, what is it, dropped the ball, something came up. Uh, uh, she just uh, lost her follow-through, and she says that was a lesson to her for forever and ever. Anyway, it was a done deal before she realized that it was, uh, it was happening. The, uh, actually, the, Next woman to testify was already in Washington. They had to send her home. Several other women had stepped forward to uh, document Clarence Thomas's, oh, gosh, sexual harassment, silly term. Uh, now, taking just a week to select uh, Supreme Court justice seems to me to be 
a little rushed to pick a conservative reactionary for the court. Ah, today, today, on the other hand, we have a Senate unwilling to so much as talk to the prospective judge that President Obama has selected. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I just think it's outrageous. How do they get away with that? Uh, how can you put something like that on hold? It is the president's job to select the judge who will be on the court. Now, I, I don't know how, well, I guess, yes, it has to be with the consent of the Senate. So I guess they can just dig in and stop it. Uh, how can legislators be made to do their jobs? Well, their constituents have to get on their, you know what. Uh, now, if you're interested in that story, so historic now, so important for the progressive history, uh, those of us who had hoped to see Thurgood Marshall's seat on the court filled with an African-American with Thurgood Marshall's wisdom, uh, check out a film called Confirmation. It's on HBO. Confirmation. The best political drama of the year. So many films trying to promote a progressive agenda. It is hopeful. I, I, I keep thinking that we're, yes, waving our little blue flag. Uh, the writers and thinkers, they do, they do try. It worries me that, you know, most of the time the filmmakers are prophets of doom. Lately, <laughs> post-apocalyptic movies are everywhere. I could do without those. Uh, but do, do look at uh, confirmation and uh, some of the other films that try to reveal the corruption that is soaking the system. Greed, yes, greed corrupts us. Greed has replaced grace, yes. <laughs> As the, was it's a worship of the divine, yes. Grace is, uh, used to be what we wanted. Now, I just think, I just think that wringing of the hands has become too much of a habit with some of us. Uh, I keep trying to think of all the ways in which things might change for the better. Yes. Films, they would be fantasy films. That's what I want. Films in which we are shown what could happen, what might be. I look forward to the inauguration, all of the women holding hands and dancing in a circle. Ah, that'll be the day. Uh, I have a, a list, a cast list for the inauguration. But I'll save that for another day. Uh, it just scares me because uh, I know good stuff is always in the works. I know that poets and thinkers are out there doing their job. I have a list of 20 TV movies and so many series to recommend uh, on Showtime. Right, I've talked before about a documentary about the iconoclast wild man, 
uh, Russell Brand. It's a terrific, it's a terrific show. Uh, it's great fun. It's on Showtime, so I'm afraid that an awful lot of people won't be able to see it. Uh, but he's right up there with Michael Moore trying to be uh, revolutionary. Yes, revolutionary. That's what he says he wants. A revolution. It's great fun. And maybe he he is a swell actor anyway. I, I keep saying that theater saves lives. I know it saved my life when I was very young. In the current issue of The New Yorker, there's a piece about Leonard Cohen. I recommend it very much. It's the October 17 issue of The New Yorker. The piece is by the editor of The New Yorker. Uh, let's see. I guess, I guess the next issue is going to cover Bob Dylan because he, he just got the Nobel Prize. Now that, I think, is worth celebrating. There is the, yes, waving of the blue flag, yes. That's just plain remarkable. I feel vindicated. The Nobel Prize for Literature going to a man who simply is a bard, a song man. Uh, anyway, I predicted it. I told you so as a school teacher. Back in the mid-1960s, I had trouble using Dylan's poetry in class. On the page, it's terrific and profound, but it, it also needs the sound. You know, I brought the, the records, the albums, takes the sound to make the sense, to make magic. Now, that was my... Uh, School teacher mantra, the sound makes the sense. On the other hand, the teacher down the hall was very upset. She went to the principal. She just could not handle that sound. So popular, you know, popular music in the classroom. Anyway, folk was not so bad. Some of them could handle that. But she wasn't about to put up with Bob Dylan's iconoclastic masterpieces, his surreal literary uh, poems. Check out that piece in the current New Yorker because, as I said, it's all about Leonard Cohen, but it does include Leonard Cohen's relationship to Bob Dylan. There's some good quotes from Bob Dylan. They are specific, not not cryptic or vague. Uh, he talks all about Leonard Cohen's musical technique. There are some folks who say that Leonard Cohen should have received the Nobel Prize. I think I get that feeling from David Remnick, the editor of The New Yorker. Right. He has written this terrific article on uh, Leonard Cohen. Hmm. Anyway, Leonard Cohen... Uh, seems to be beyond all that. He's 82. Dylan is 75. Uh, somewhere in the article, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I think it's Dylan is listening to the radio and uh, someone on the radio says that Leonard Cohen is number one, number one songman. 
and that, uh, well, at some point Dylan says that he is point zero. And Leonard Cohen says that that means Bob Dylan is beyond measure. That sounds just right to me. How happy it makes me to know that Leonard Cohen, who is exactly my age, seems to be absolutely transcendent as he ends his life. Yes, I was thinking of the voice of Marianne. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. His lover Marianne was dying, and when I read the letter that he wrote to her as she left the world, he said he'd be with her soon. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. I'll be back on the air again next week. Till then, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. The UC Giltrat Community Farm in Albany invites you to our Halloween Harvest Festival on Sunday, October 30th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. All are welcome to this event, which will feature live music from local artists, workshops on herbalism, and food justice, as well as a delicious stone soup made from vegetables harvested right off the farm. Come in costume if you like and celebrate the Earth's bounty with us. The UC Giltrack Farm is located at the corner of San Pablo and Marin in Albany. This is a benefit for the UC Giltrack Community Farm. For details, call 209-988-2660. This event is wheelchair accessible. 